Welcome to the show. This is TJ. Hi, it's Michael. Michael, are you a power bottom? I like to be tied up. I like to be handcuffed. <laughs> You're an idiot. Let's go to a commercial, Michael. They're not commercials. <laughs> Michael. Welcome to Quirinstein Bears, the podcast. I just don't like her. Your hosts, CJ and Michael Burlow. Wait, why can't I say that? It's a lot bigger in person. Stop it. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Screaming. By searching the Quirinstein Bears, the podcast. You really don't understand. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> And now, here are your hosts, CJ and Michael. Hey, kiddos. Welcome back to the podcast. What's up, faggots? What's up, what's up, what's up, ketchup? You're so stupid. Why? No one understands what that's right. I know. It's a little inside joke. It's not an inside joke when the person does it on what we filmed in LA. It's going to be on television at some point in the near future. (laughs) Television. Television in air quotes on streaming. What is it? Television adjacent? Television adjacent at streaming. Your favorite thing to say. Television adjacent is a funny statement. Guess. Someone texts me and she goes, I just want you to let you know that I've put the word adjacent into my lexicon. And I'm like, come on, girl. The hell's a lexicon? Manner of speech. Oh, you don't use SAT words. You don't know if our listeners are smart or not. I did got a 1640 on my SAT, so I'm really smart. I never took one. It's funny because I sound like a fucking complete idiot, but I'm actually really smart. You don't sound like an idiot. You just forget things. So yeah, that's I'm what makes you sound idiotic because you repeat the same thing 15 million times. Anyways, except, now that we've rambled on. Except if it's a share song. Anyways, now that we rambled on. Hi, welcome back to the Queer and Steam Bears. It's Tuesday and you're listening to our loud fucking mouths talk about bullshit. Hi, everybody. I'm DJ, and uh, I'm a top. Hi, everybody, and I'm Michael, and I am totally 100% completely, irrevocably a verse bottom, with the verse being silent. Why did you have to go so long with that explanation that you're a fucking cocksmoke and pole-riding homosexual? I mean, I don't know, the people, I'm verse, I can top in a case of emergency. Just because you sit on top to make it go in further does not make <laughs> you a top. I mean, I prefer to, like, like be on my stomach and get it from the back so I can, like, push my ass back up on it and have the guy go real deep, but... <laughs> We did a whole episode. We did a whole episode giving, of, go. of giving top and bottom like best practices. Best so, practices, like we're at a fucking restaurant. Yeah. Best practices. I mean, you're gonna follow the OSHA guidelines. I mean, <laughs> when you're in a bedroom, it's like being a restaurant. At Basically. least for you, it's like serving number. Fuck off! I practice FIFO <laughs> in my bedroom. First, first in, first, first out. <laughs> Anyways, CJ, what Dumbass. did you do this week? I missed you. Did you miss me? It's been a little bit. Oh, I thought that was rhetorical. You're <laughs> such a bitch. What did you do this week, fuckface? Um, nothing really. I really just kind of relaxed a little bit. You know, kind of detoxed from LA chillax getting ready for golden gals in a couple of weeks in two weeks I'm That's so excited it. we have a lot of work coming up for us you know we're both involved in the golden gals and the TV land live fun fest <laughs> fun fest yeah uh, yeah so we have a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks we even have a lot coming up in this episode you know later in this episode we're interviewing Mickey James from the world of professional wrestling I'm so so excited for our first ever guest on Queerstein Bears I know I'm so I'm, excited to talk to her I adore her I've looked up to her for a very long time you know I've gotten to know her she's a fucking bombshell she she is stunning. She is stunning. You know, I've gotten to know her over the last couple of months. Uh, ever since Ginger did Grown Ass Women, her show that she does with uh, Lisa Marie and the host Soul Cal Val, who is a valet in TNA. What does that mean, a valet? Valet. She was an es- like she drove an the escort. cars. Um, she was a manager, so she like oh, escorted okay. people down to the ring, like a talent escort. Yeah, she was arm candy, if you will. Oh, okay. That'll be a little bit later in the episode, so stay tuned for that. But that's really kind of my week. I was kind of getting ready for today's interview, getting ready for Golden Gals in a couple weeks. Um, you know, Michael, we are the VIP hosts for Room 23's Orlando's LGBTQ Night of Inclusion, which is going to take place on Tuesday, May 11th from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Our good friend Tora Hyman is emceeing, 
who was the winner of Camp Wanakiki Season 2. Camp Wonka Teddy. And DJ Scott Roberts, who in the Orlando area was a DJ at the World Famous Parliament House before they closed. It's going to have live drag, some dance performances. There's going to be competition, surprise giveaways all night. There's free champagne till midnight. And I mean... Other than that, like, you get to come hang out with us and rock it and come say hi to us and wave from us in the VIP. (laughs) Sitting alone in the VIP. We'll have our friends with us. Uh, If you'd like some more information, uh, you can go onto Facebook or uh, Instagram and type in Room for All, which is the LGBT Night of Inclusion, which will take place at Room 22 in Orlando. Me and Michael will be there as the special VIP hosts, and we look forward to seeing everybody. It's free champagne till midnight. Like, what? If you're really cute, I'll pour some of my bottle in your mouth. Michael, how was your week? It was great. You know, I did a lot of the same shit that I do all the time. Um, I worked. I drank a little bit. Prep for this interview. You know, nothing really crazy. What did you do for prep on this interview? I looked at her Instagram and I read a little bit about her on Wikipedia and listened to her country song. I wasn't being shady. I was just genuinely curious. That wasn't that was a shady mean comment. It wasn't trying to be shady. Like I was genuinely curious because like I didn't have to do much prep because I know who Mickey is. You know, I've followed her for many years from the wrestling world. So like I didn't do much. Also because I've been talking to her nonstop since you know two months ago. So I was just curious at what you did to prep for it. Yeah, I just kind of looked her up on the internet. You know. Oh, okay. Standard research. Standard research. Yeah. Standard practices. Yeah, my week was boring. I really didn't do anything noteworthy. No. No. Well, that sucks. I hope this week is a lot. Uh, I'm going to work all week because fucking Cinco de Mayo and I work in a Mexican restaurant. So. Oh, Cinco de Mayo is tomorrow. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo is, is tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to work all week at this restaurant. It's May 4th, so May yeah. 4th be with you. May 4th be with you. It's Star Wars it's Day. Star Wars Day. That's exciting. You know, I know tomorrow's probably going to be super stupid busy for you being in a Mexican I, restaurant. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going to fucking sling shitty chips and <laughs> fucking garbage margaritas all day. That's okay. You know, like, it's my fucking birthday and it's Cinco de Mayo and, like, I want, like, something fun but something, like, fruity. Can you make me blend a margarita? You can have a fucking vodka soda like everybody else. God damn it. But the beauty of it is at least you have a good chance of making a lot of money. Probably. Because all these people make, are going to be I'll probably make fucking money on the stupid white bitches that'll be like, can I have the pollo el fajitas? You're an idiot. There's how they talk. They'll be I like, gracias. <laughs> and I'm like, ma'am, I don't speak Spanish. Gracias. I'm like, stop it. I have picked up a lot of Spanish still working in this Mexican oh, restaurant. That's good. You're yeah. bilingual now. I know. <laughs> buy me something and I'll use my lingual on you. You always said you would never be bi and look at you now. I, I've like kissed you're, a girl. You're a budding rose bud. Gross. My fucking pink sock. <laughs> uh. Do you know what time it is? Is it a commercial time? No, it's not a fucking commercial. We have to talk wow. about this stupid show again. Wow. You got real aggressive about, about that about commercial break. Let's talk about this fucking show again. We didn't even get a damn week off. That's okay, though. Not really. No, no. I just want like two weeks where I don't have to look at... RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't have to look at face paint for two weeks. <laughs> you don't have to hear Michelle cackle or... Right, I don't have to... Yes. Or Rue cackle because Rue cackles at everything now. Oh my God, let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Now it's off to the races. So why does the set look like a Barbie dream house? Good day, mate. Uh, good day. Um, it does look really cheap. It looks cheesy, but it looks more expensive than Holland. See, I yeah, because Holland had those weird like cloth walls. Yeah, so it looks more expensive than Holland. But I also look at it and go, they weren't gonna ship all of that stuff from production in California, right, over to Australia. First of all, it wouldn't have made it in time. But why did the UK set look so nice? 
because they've already had, it was already over there. Oh, from season they one. They did season one. So they built that for season one. Yeah, okay. and I guarantee they have a storage facility over there that they just kind of kept it there. Yeah, there's no way they're putting in shipping containers getting over there. It won't get over there in time That's between fair. productions. So I guarantee they had a replica made and it sits over in the UK for the other seasons. Canada's easier because obviously you can just drive it there. Right, and they and they like filmed like five or six seasons back to back to back to back recently. Yeah. So so it was it was interesting though. Like I have no exposure to you no know, Australian and like New Zealand drag aside from like following Karen from Finance and like uh, an Art Simone on Instagram. You know I haven't really like said had any exposure to their drag. So it's interesting to see you know their twist and you know their kind of yeah. their version of drag, so to speak. I agree. Um, it was definitely interesting to see. But, you know, we got introduced to 10 new queens in a season that I think is going to be probably one of the shadiest seasons that we've ever had. They're Rogers. so mean. They are very mean. But, talk about the way we talk about each other. I don't <laughs> I don't think that it, that mean comes out of a place of no, 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 no. So, they're just like, they're really like quippy and like quick yeah. on their like their like reads and shit. I mean, it also doesn't help that three of the queens on this season all work together at the right. same club. I'm excited to see what happens. I don't really want to dive into too much of what they wore because it was two runways that they did. We're going to do a whole toot and boot section on our live stream on Friday. Yeah, so if you head over to Queenstein Bears, the podcast on Facebook and follow us this Friday at 6.30pm we're going to toot and boot the looks for the runways. Michael, out of everybody that's left, who's your winner right now? So my top two are Karen from Finance and Ketamine. Ketamine? And then my winner is Karen for Finance. Hands down, Karen for Finance is going to win the show. I think out of looking at everybody who's in still... I think I, Art has a really good chance to make it there, but... I think Art does have a good chance of, of being in the top four. I think my top two right now is probably going to be Ketamine, only because I love Kitta. We've Ginger's worked with her. I know her. And Maxie. Really? You think Maxie's going to be in the top? Yeah. I, for a few reasons. One, I think her personality is infectious from the little bit that we've seen of her in that first episode. Right. And I'm just a fan of big girls. No, me too, but Care for Finance is a big girl. No, that's like saying that fucking Kim Chi was a big girl. Kim Chi was chubby. No. Kim Chi looked big because she padded big, but she wasn't necessarily a big girl. If that makes sense. Those are my top two. I think Kidda has a good chance of winning, and I think Karen and Art will be in the top four. So I'm excited for that. But again, tune in on Friday when me and Michael go live on Facebook when we toot and boot the looks because it was a look-based episode. I think that's easier than kind of trying to explain what people are. Right, right, exactly. We're going to do like the whole put the pictures up go through it make sure to check us out on the live stream yes. but yeah i'm super excited to kind of you know toot and boot all these looks and do like a little little fashion recap trademarked term i just got a cameo request for ginger from a sarah marshall i'm kind of afraid it's like forget can you, <laughs> like, forget, can you forget her yeah i can forget the cameo request lol um no i'm excited and it's also really kind of exciting i'm gonna touch right on drag race for one more second that it's we're going into the second episode of dirty snatch game so <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's not that many queens in this season, so no. the second episode Snatch Game, which yeah. is fun, you know, save all the best for first, I guess, uh, or second. I guess from rumor time, it's the worst Snatch Game people have ever seen, oh, but we'll find I out. I can't wait to watch oh, it. Michael, I'm not as excited as what's going to happen a little bit later. I know. We got Mickey James coming up I from know. the WWE, from the country radio, from motherhood. <laughs> That was good. That was a good. Did you intro. like that? You should intro her. I should the... interview people more often. Yeah, you should do the intro on the interview. Let's take a brief commercial. Let's take a little, little, little break. Let's break it off like a Kit Kat says. Oh. <laughs>
You're listening to Quarantine Bears, the podcast. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. And we're back, everybody. Oh. Welcome to the Quarantine Bears, the podcast. You look like your fucking dad. I'm your buddy. I'm a dad. You want me to be your drinking buddy? <laughs> Join us next week when all we'll do is recite the script from A Star Is Born in 40 minutes or less. We'll have Michael recite the one from Lady Gaga, and I'll just do the one with Judy Garland in it. Nobody likes that one. If any, if you're going to pick another version that's not the Lady Gaga version, it has to be Barbara Streisand. No. The Judy Gar- have you seen the Judy Garland one? I have seen it. Boring Judy- as fuck. Yeah, but it's still a classic. Why she drank herself to death? Wow. <laughs> wow. And it was barbiturates that killed her and not alcohol. If you're going to try to rope somebody about their death, you should probably get it right. I don't, yeah. So I got a question for you. Yes, this is my natural hair color. (laughs) (laughs) Seafoam green is your natural hair color. Does the carpet match the drapes? Uh, No, my dad was a mermaid. My mom was... um, The unicorn? (laughs) Shut up. Okay, stop it. Okay, but for cereal? For cereal. For cereal. For a cocoa puff. For a cocoa puff. Um, What was it like... Being gay in sports. You know, for me, it was really didn't have an impact on my, my life as a wrestler back in the day. Because I wrestled with guys who were older than me. And they understood the idea of homosexuality and that it doesn't necessarily make a person feel a certain way when doing certain things. If that makes any sense to the people listening. One of the guys who I used to wrestle with, his sister's a lesbian. Okay. So he had already had the experience of growing up with somebody who was in the community. Right. He would expect you to move in with your boyfriend after two dates. Right. Exactly. And and then <laughs> um, the other guys were kind of very cool comic. Like I never really have any pushback. Uh, there were some that were kind of uncomfortable with the idea of having me wrestle them, which I understood. I never held it against them because to them it was something, you know, in the world of wrestling, it's very close contact. We're touching, we're like literally rubbing bodies against each other in a non-sexual right. way. So they, in their minds, had the idea that I was doing it for more than just the sports aspect of it and the physical aspect of it. They thought I was doing it for some kind of weird sexual turn on when right. it was the furthest thing from the truth. My friends, Ryan and Steve, Steve really kind of sat those people down and was like, hey, listen, he's not doing it for any other thing except for the fact that he enjoys it. If you're uncomfortable with it, we owe CJ a lot, so you're more than welcome to leave. And did they leave? No, they stayed, and, and you know, they, I had matches against them, and I had wrestled them, so everything was calm, cool, and collected. And did they kind of deal with it their own way? Yeah, but it was kind of like that eye-opening moment of like, wow, these people kind of accept. It was my first really having to deal with telling people that I was gay. Like, when I came out to them, I never told them I was gay. I do what all good homosexuals do and told them I was bisexual. Right, so did you, like, feel like you before telling them did you feel like they like were catching on to it or like what prompted you to tell them like what was the reason that you told them i just wanted to be open and honest with them especially in the in the world that we were in i wanted them to know ahead of time before we really started getting into things it also kind of was apparent because i had a boyfriend so you had so you had a boyfriend yeah like i was dating my ex at the time and me and him were very open about our relationship but at the same time like they knew who he was but not necessarily what he was so they knew who your ex was they just didn't know that he was your boyfriend at yeah. the time and then it came out and they all like whatever you know they, they understood fine. it at yeah. that point but it was fine like it was my first experience of telling people that I was bisexual it was my first experience of seeing how people would react to it and I think because I had such a positive reaction it kind of allowed me to be comfortable telling more people and coming out to a bigger group of people and coming out at school and coming out to my parents and coming out kind of to the world mainly because they were so accepting of it and understood it that it really just made my coming out so much easier but going back to the question about you know being gay in sports it really had no impact on the sport we still did the same exact thing they would still undress in front of me regardless of 
of my sexual preference, knowing right. that I wasn't looking at them as, oh, I'm going to go and try to get the straight boy. Right. It, it, I'm, we were just brothers. We like, also don't do that. Side note, everybody. No, but there was no awkwardness, if that makes any sense. When I went into the ring with them, there was no weird energy with them going, oh, I don't want him to touch me because he's a fag. Right. So I really didn't have any kind of lingering effect. What about you? I know you played lacrosse and soccer and basketball. Was there kind of... And, and you played it with people your age. Right. I did do it with people my age. So I did soccer and basketball through school. I did track and then I did lacrosse as I got a little bit older. So right before high school, I did lacrosse. Um, For me, it was kind of a little bit different because I wasn't super open with my sexuality before high school. Okay. So for to me, it was like, yeah, I was clearly more effeminate. I was clearly more like... Eh, like my personality is like yeah like the gay like the gay personality is super fun super over the top super bubbly you know yeah so for me it was like I was always the odd person out at a point that be oh I was gay or I was just weird or different I was always the one on the team that was kind of like the oddball out like the black sheep of the team was it because you were trying to hide the fact that you were gay to these kids in fear of rejection or was it just because like you felt that they had this vibe towards you because they knew and you didn't I mean, it was never really a question of hiding it for me because I didn't, I wouldn't, so I always, like, I knew that I was gay at a young age, but it wasn't, like, like, a thing that was, like, oh, this clicks in my brain until I was, like, almost in high school. But for me, it wasn't, like, oh, I was trying to, like, purposely, you know, avoid, like, avoid the conversation or avoid the topic or avoid, you know, coming out to my teammates. It was never that I, I never had a relationship where I was close with them where I felt, like, that they were my friends or that I felt, like, you know, I could, like, be real with them on that level. It was, like, I would come, I would, I would, I mean, you know, I would show up. <laughs> you would up. come. I would show up, I would do the sport, I'd kick ass, I'd do a good job, and then I'd go home, and that'd be that. I never really was, like, social with anybody that I was, like, involved in sports with. You know, I had all my friends back at home and, like, you know, at school, which were mostly females. Um, go Shocker. Go figure. But, yeah, so it was never, like, it was, I was never, I was, like, I was never friends with those people so I never felt like I needed to come out to them or I needed to be honest with them so that's kind of where the disconnect for me was like it was never a question of hiding it it was just they're not my friends so I'm not going to talk to them like that you know we, we talked about a couple episodes ago when we were in LA we kind of touched base a little bit on this subject um when we talked about like gay voice quote unquote right do you feel like you had to butch up your voice a little bit when you were talking to them or were you kind of cool with like the effeminate tone to your voice no it was never a question of feeling like i had to butch it up or i had to like you know pretend to be straight or put on an act because i never really viewed myself as like super effeminate or super not like the other kids until other people made it apparent to me that i was not like the other kids i never looked at myself like oh i'm not like the other kids and that didn't start until about high school okay i understand i get that like i was the same like in high school i never really played any of the athletic thing like I never was on a team in high school so I was on lacrosse my freshman year of high school was the last time I played a sport yeah like I didn't do any of that um, just because I was so busy on the weekends and then when I wasn't wrestling on the weekends I was doing all the theater shit at the high school as a lighting director and all that so I never really got into like high school sports or middle school sports or anything like that because it just wasn't my vibe so I think for you it's a lot different than me because you did it in high school so you had to see those kids every day right like all of that at high school was the turning point to me where like it was apparent to me that like I was different. I went to an all boys Catholic high school, so I was bullied horribly through high school. And because you were gay, or because yeah, because I was because I was gay, or like I appeared to be gay. That was the point to me where like it was apparent that like I was different. You know, like where I felt like I didn't fit in. So that's where to me like where I started to feel like I had to hide who I was, or you know, act differently. And that's why I didn't do sports all through high school. It was because I felt so uncomfortable on those teams or on that team. Once I finally got to high school, that it was such an uncomfortable experience for me that I didn't want to experience it again. Do you think you did sports in high? school because of your dad no i did or i did you i generally enjoyed play i generally enjoyed playing lacrosse i had a blast i played lacrosse and i also snowboarded and ski 
peed all through high school. So, well, what about basketball, cross like? Uh, so basketball that? and soccer only did when I was younger. Oh, okay. um, the only thing I did in high school was lacrosse because that was the only team that I like made because that was, that was that was the only sport I was good. That was the only sport I was really really good. I was a really really good goalie. Well, that's good. You're yeah. used to the balls coming at your face. Right, so. that was my social life. <laughs> But no, that was like, that was the point where it all changed for me, like where I felt like I had to hide who I was because I wasn't accepted and I was so treat, treated so horribly. I quit, the, I ended up quitting the team halfway through the season. That's what I was going to ask. Is, is that the reason you stopped playing sports? Yeah, of the, I, of... I was horribly, horribly bullied and I quit the team halfway through the year. Wow. You know, it leads me into my, my next question I was going to ask you. If you had to give advice to, if there's somebody in high school listening to this right now who may have to go through what you kind of went through with being gay in a high school setting and in a sports team what would kind of be your word of advice to them to to kind of tell them it's cool so it'd be kind of twofold it would be a be honest i think when you are so unapologetically yourself and i think when you are like upfront about who you are and what you are and you know your experience i feel like a it's respected and i feel like b once you kind of put it out there there's really nothing they can throw at you that like they can throw whatever kind of darts and whatever kind of poison they want to fling at you and whatever venom they want to you your way it's not gonna like it may, it may hurt for a minute but like you being honest and like living your truth is gonna at the end of the day kind of resolve all that because you know it there's nothing worse than like feeling like you have to kind of like bury things and hide that's something on your plate as well as like kind of being picked on and being bullied and whatnot so i feel like a be honest about it and b don't let fuck when what people fucking say bother you like on, like honestly like at the end of the day they're the people that are gonna fucking peak in high school and you're gonna go on and you're gonna <laughs> succeed and you're gonna they're fucking uh gym class hero here playing dodgeball you know winning the fucking winning the fucking medals in school and you're going to go on they're going to peak at 10th grade and you're, you're going to have a podcast right you're going to have a podcast with the famous drag queen's husband <laughs> <laughs> but no kind of that's be my it's just just be be yourself and don't you know when people ask you be honest about it and don't fucking hide because having to hide who you are is like is a pain in and of itself. Yeah. Do you think that's why a lot of like professional athletes who happen to be uh, in our community kind of stay hidden? I and why like, there's not really a lot of representation in major sports like the NFL, the NBA, uh, MLB of people in the gay community, the transgender community or anything like that? I feel like it's so stigmatized still. Oh yeah, absolutely. That I feel like that's why professional athletes feel like they need to hide themselves. It's like for prime example, look at the Aaron Hernandez story. He literally murdered somebody that he was like, involved with yeah. that was a man because he was so afraid of that coming yeah. out and was so afraid of you know his secret gay lifestyle being exposed yeah. and you know they, his wife and all of them have denied it and whatever but like he literally murdered that man because he was well yeah I mean we see it I see it in the world of professional wrestling if you're gay you don't get what we call a push which is like you're not like promoted, right? <clears throat> exactly. You're not pushed to the to a title picture or a main event picture or anything like that because you're seemed as less than. Or in the world of professional wrestling, the gay character is the joke. The straight people play the gay characters as a character, like a caricature of what they think the gay community is like. You know, there was a huge thing back in the early 2000s with a tag team that was very gay, flamboyant. Yes, very. Or who were they? Bill and Chuck. Okay. Um, and they had a manager named Rico who was a hair stylist who was trying to get I think I remember that because I had a friend that watched wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, it was this huge story um, where they weren't necessarily a, they weren't gay in the slightest. They weren't a couple. However, they, the way that they did promos and the way they wrestled was very flamboyant that way. It was very like the gay ambiguous duo from SNL where like one would bend over and the other one would be right behind them. I forgot they existed. Yeah. So it was very much that. And then when they found out that, you know, Rico, who their manager was, was trying to make them a gay couple. It blew up, and that was the end of the tag team. Oh, I don't like that. No, it made it made being gay very like. It makes it a punchline. Yeah, and that's not what we are. We're not a punchline. Exactly. Again, it goes back to like exactly what Michael said: be yourself, just be safe. 
Seriously. And do what you fucking enjoy. Exactly. If you want to go out there and, and take balls to the face as a goalie playing lacrosse, then And then go it. home and take balls to the face in the bedroom. <laughs> do it up. You know? Exactly. Follow me. I took balls like, to the face as a goalie and then I do it at home. You know, if you're listening to this and, and you play sports, either a college level, professional level, high school level, or whatever, you know, be true to yourself. Be who you are. You know, me and Michael support you. We love you. Uh, we would love to come and watch you play sports ball. Yeah, play sports ball. Go, go team. Ball. Go blue team. But, Michael, I think we should take a break. And when we come back from our break, guess what? Oh, my God. Is she here? Well, digitally, because that's COVID. Yeah, she's in the green room. She's in the digital green room. <laughs> she's waiting to talk to everybody. I'm so excited to I'm meet so her. I'm so excited. Uh, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will have the one, the only, the six-time women's champion, Mickey, Mickey James. James. Trish, I've admired you for so long. But now, this Sunday at WrestleMania, my obsession is not just going to be to beat you and to become the new women's champion. No. My new obsession <laughs> is your <laughs> destruction. We're in Team Bears, the podcast. Now, we have been teasing the whole episode, Michael, about our first guest ever on the podcast. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. You know her, as we all know her, as Mickey James from the world of wrestling in both WWE and TNA. I have gotten close with her, and I absolutely adore her. So I'm so excited to introduce our audience to the one and only Mickey James. Ah, thank you. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so, so good. I am so excited you're on, and I want to start off by saying thank you a hundred million times to having you join us. It's kind of like a weird moment for me, because as you know, I'm a huge fan of yours, and I'm trying to like suppress the fangirl in me, <laughs> because you're somebody that I have watched, and somebody that I have kind of looked up to in, in what you do, and it's just a full circle moment for me, and I am so happy that you are here with us today. Oh, you're so kind. I appreciate that. You're so funny. I'm like, oh, I feel like we're so cool now. Like we're like super friends at this point. So to even think about you fangirling over there is kind of hilarious. But yeah. <laughs> I know we talk like every day now. Like we send at least like one or two texts a day now. So we like, over to WrestleMania, we became best friends. I know it's incredible, and 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 I'm and I'm happy. It's with fun us for me to see CJ fangirling over somebody because he always makes fun of me when I fangirl over people. So it's fun to <laughs> it's fun to watch the reverse. Right, right. You're like, haha. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> um, so we're going to dive in real quick. You're one of the most talented people that I've ever had the privilege of meeting and knowing. Um, you're a wrestler, a country recording artist, uh, an advocate for children, a wife, and a mom. That is a lot of, of hats to wear. Uh, how do you find the time in the day to, to do all of that? Well, it's a balancing act. And obviously, you know, I, I couldn't do it without Nick and without my friends and my family and and you know, the people in my circle, because honestly, it takes a village, right? And so Donovan is always my priority and my first, you know, thing that I'm focused on. And then kind of everything else falls in line. And like, even still, I, I think sometimes some of the other, like my music has suffered because I it, ever, you know, especially since I, when I first went back to WWE, because I was back on the road full time and I just kind of forgot how, you know, how, what that schedule looked like. And then plus trying to make sure with Donovan's school and everything else, it was a bit of a balance. So I'm pretty excited because I have, I'm getting ready to release a single in a couple weeks. So, you know. I, I know. I saw that Instagram post of you in the, in the studio. 
super stoked about that. I'm so I've been working the whole time, you know, writing and but just to get back in the studio because of the pandemic and then also time, you know, like when you are wearing 10 hats as we all do. It's like it's hard to find the balance to be able to do that, especially when I was on the road. So now that I'm here and kind of focused, which is one of the reasons why we moved here, we just bought a house here over the holidays. So, yeah. I'm I'm excited to listen to this single. I've been listening to uh, Strangers and Angels and uh, Somebody's Gonna Pay on repeat for the oh. last like oh probably last like month and a half. I love you. Thank you. Yeah, it's they're incredible. Um, and you know, you just you mentioned you're gonna release another single. Going into like the the two albums that you have out, what was kind of that inspiration behind doing them? Like, what was the story to kind of make the albums happen? Um, I, well, I think the first album was really my intro to Nashville. And I think I, I had taken, I don't know, a handful of songs that I'd written just to kind of go down there. I had no idea that I was going to do a full album. Um, it was my producer who kind of talked to me and was like, well, you know, you, you don't sound like anyone. Your songs are really great. Like, and we'll cut a couple of these and you can work with other songwriters. And he really, I think, made me believe in the idea that I could do this as more than just kind of a hobby or a thing that I just do, you know, and it's, it's so fun because I feel like you you get to release yourself in a different creative aspect that people don't know you for, you know? And for me, I think it's the, the complete opposite of what wrestling is and was because you have to be so thick skinned and so tough and so, you know, driven, but it's all like a very aggressive, a very adrenaline based kind of rush. Whereas music really balanced that for me. It was like really that thing of like, okay, this is the other side that people don't get to see the one behind the curtain, you know? So it was, it was almost therapeutic, you know, in a sense, but as you're trying to balance everything. Well, yeah, I, I get it. I coming from the world that I live in with, you know, ginger and, and the drag race fandom and, and the drag race idea, um, you know, every drag race superstar that comes off of drag race thinks they can be a recording artist. Right. And um, some of their music is terrible. I would say probably about 90% of their music is terrible. Uh, <laughs> but they think because they're on the show that they can put out music. And I like the fact that you have the the recording aspect of your career as well, because I mean, we both know coming from the world of wrestling with you being on TV and me kind of just doing it, not on TV, it's not going to be a forever thing. Right. And it's a good to have that kind of fallback this way. If, heaven forbid something is to happen you have that that fallback of the the country albums and the country uh singing aspect so well you know i never really thought like i was you know it'd be really awesome if my music took off and that became the thing you know but i don't think i ever truly looked at it as like that would be the thing that I would stop wrestling and be a country music artist. Like I love having that as something that I do, but I don't think that I ever, and maybe I need to try that, visualize that, you know, a little bit, but at the same time, I think that it, I'd always, it was like just a cool parallel and something that I'd always wanted to do. And I had an opportunity to do that. And then the second album, obviously I was with E1 music Nashville. So that directive, even though you're do, doing and picking out songs and, and writing songs, it's kind of the, the label will control the narrative. So we kind of went a little bit more rock on that album. And so this, you know, since then I, you know, I, I left there when I had Donovan and then I came back and I put out singles, a few singles. And I did the Yin Yang twins, the, the duet with them. Left yeah, you home. did. Yeah, I did. That was <laughs> then I kind of stepped out of that box of going like, I don't know why, you know, you have to be 
country country music or like I feel like my vibe is more southern rock country kind of in that vein especially when I write but I just I grew up on all kinds of music so I really embrace a little bit of everything honestly that's kind of where I'm at with it so I've just been working and writing on stuff that really kind of resonates with me and so that's what this next album I'm hoping to put out is just all stuff that I wrote like all originals so we'll see how that does so did you grow up doing music or is it the kind of that you just fell into one day um I played the violin for about five years through um, all through high school, a bit of middle school. And I sang in the chorus here and there and the choir here and there, but it wasn't ever the thing. It wasn't ever my thing. I grew up riding horses, you know, so I sang mostly in the shower, in the car. And then I found as I was on the road, I was just writing so much because I traveled a lot by myself. And so I would start, I would just hum out these lyrics or, or like a little hook and I would just get back to my room. And instead of like decompressing with the TV, I just decompressed with my notebook and I would just write. And I'd all, I've always been a writer in the sense of little stories or poems or whatever, whether it's any good or not, I don't know, but I've been able to, out of those ideas, kind of change some of the way that I write to kind of write in a lyrical form, you know? And then I work, like I'll work with my guitarist or, or someone that I really love so I can kind of tell them what I'm hearing, but then they'll bring, help bring the musical side of that song to life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so you're a writer. Uh, do you plan on, do we see a Mickey James autobiography coming out anytime soon? <laughs> I actually have been kind of working on it for a while in the sense of like getting my ideas of like stories and backstories and everything else. Cause I think, you know, I, I look at it and I go like, well, what kind of, cause I was first approached about a book when, um, after my first run in WWE and I just go like, oh, I just feel like I'm so young and there's so much of the story left to do. Like, what is this? Like, I feel like I'm going to, like, this is just a couple chapters. I don't feel like this is a book, you know, but now looking at everything from this side of it, where I'm at now, I do think that there is room for a book in my, you know, in my life. And if there, if it, there's a way to do it the right way and tell the right story and, you know, maybe empower or uplift some people to like go after what they want to do in life i think that would be a cool thing and like i'm a, I'm a big believer and there's no one better to tell your own story than yourself so right right well and i think that because no one's going to really be able to I, I think you have to work with ghost writers and people like that to help you right relate that the right way but they're not going to especially for me you know if i really am going to connect with someone. I feel like it's in the way that like, hopefully that I can make them understand it from my perspective or just make them empathize with me or, or find that balance or whatever that is. And so I don't know that someone else just writing a memoir or something like that is going to be the right narrative, you know? And so I don't know. It's a commitment, you know? Yeah, no, agreed. Let's turn it into a lifetime movie. There we go. A Hallmark. I don't know if it's for Hallmark. Yes. But it has to be like the most gratuitous, over-the-top, cheesiest Lifetime. Like how all the <laughs> Lifetime movies are just so ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. add Santa in there. Now it's a, a Christmas movie for Lifetime. Right, right. Perfect. <laughs> the, whole, the Hallmark Channel. Right. I can put my Christmas song in there. It'd be great. Exactly. There we go. You know, the other day you and I uh, had a conversation about me and Ginger looking to adopt and going into like the why we can't do that uh, because of, you know, Florida and their backwards laws and weird it stuff. It is mind blowing to me because I look and this is, I look at it from this side of it. It's that I do so much work with like child health and Operation 
Operation Underground um, rescue and, and things like this and the amount of children who need love just within the United States alone and need like a, a solid family and, and foundation because otherwise they're growing up in like state homes or foster care and all these other things. And I just feel like I don't understand why that, why you guys, why can't, I don't understand why you can't adopt. That doesn't make any sense to me. It Trust me. We we looked into it for months and we like right before we made the announcement at DragCon a couple of years ago that we were looking to adopt, we had seen that Florida was going to open it up and allow same-sex couples to adopt uh, and then it got declined and turned down and it didn't happen. Uh, so then we approached my best friend's wife to do all of the surrogacy for us, which I'm okay with because you know my best friend and I have been together for 25 years almost my entire life so i'm cool with the surrogacy it sucks that we can't take a child out of foster care and and give them a loving home and and take them out of you know the state system and all that um but we're we're still fighting that battle as you know a community in florida and you know there's a a bunch of other states that still do the same thing that don't allow same-sex couples simply because we love each other and, and all of that so Right. There's still a fight and we're still fighting it. And, you know, we've uh, won the right to marry uh, and, you know, don't ask, don't tell was repelled. So we're able to now serve in the military without having to worry about any of that. It's one battle at a time. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. But that leads me to my question. How did you start with child help and our rescue and what kind of started the helping of those organizations? Um. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, the history through my own childhood of being uh, abused as a, you know, as a child, I think then coming up out of that. And I always connected. I grew up on, you know, my grandmother had we had our horses and that's what I did most of my, you know, young life was compete and train. But there was this massive like therapy, like a therapy for me between the horses. Cause I could just go out there and get lost for hours at the barn. And I just, I was originally looking to find someone or somewhere that I'm like, if this helped me so much in growing up, and this was really the thing that kind of just helped me. I feel like there's got to be other programs or another foundation, or maybe I'll start a foundation. And then ironically, there is a child help village, the Alice C. Tyler village in Virginia. And it was like an hour from my house. And I randomly got asked, um, his name is Wade to do like a mo it was such a random occurrence that it, I don't even know how, so it's like things just happen for a reason. Right. So it was like a toy drive, um, for the holidays and it was all on motorcycles. It was a Harley Davidson kind of thing event. So it just random how this correlated with child help to me. And then they were gathering all the toys and the, you know, Sergeant Santa and all these people to then take them to the village. So then I drove up on the village and it is a 400 acre horse farm that has been donated to this village, you know, Oh wow. They do the horse therapy there and, and they have like the centers where, you know, the, the kids live, there's like boys, girls and the, the different age groups. And these are all kids that have been, they're from Virginia. The one, this one serves Virginia's, um, West Virginia, the Carolinas and up into like Baltimore a bit. And Oh, wow. That's uh, a huge. Uh... It, it does a big area and there's a another village in, in Phoenix is the headquarters. And then the, there's one out in California. But at any rate, this village had, it was literally exactly what I envisioned kind of in my mind of like what it would be. And I just fell in love and I fell in love with the people and the mission. And it was just in line with everything that I was like, well, then why am I going to sit here and make a foundation or a, a whatever when there's already one? And it, they, 
this is something that nobody even knew about. Like I never had heard of them before. And I was like, this is mind blowing to me. Like how you guys aren't more publicized. Like this is amazing work that you're doing and people don't talk about it and people need to know about it. Right. So yeah. And then here we are. That's incredible. We have something like that in Orlando that <clears throat> when I worked for Universal down here, I used to volunteer it a lot. It's uh, it's called Give Kids the World. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to Make-A-Wish, but instead of them not just going from their house to their Make-A-Wish, they actually go to this village down here and every day is a new holiday for these kids. Uh, and the entire week, they start on Sunday through Saturday. So like Sunday's Christmas, uh, Monday was Easter, Thanksgiving, Halloween, all these things. This way, in case, for whatever reason, heaven forbid, one of the child's pass away due to their incurable disease, they at least can have that last holiday. Um, So they, like, overnight, it's run by people who, Mm. the Disney decorations and stuff, so overnight they change everything the entirety of the village so like one day it's completely decked out in christmas lights and then when the kids go to sleep and wake up it's completely decked out for halloween so within so it's incredible and i applaud you for volunteering and doing all that with those kids because it's something that i hold so dear to my heart with volunteering there uh just seeing the kids smile and laugh knowing that you know the pain is gone for those brief moments is something that is will never be topped in my entire life it's so incredible. And it's so incredible to see like the impact that you make in their lives, just even in that moment, like, and to see them so, so happy, you know, it's like, it really does. I think that oftentimes like it's, it's very humbling, isn't it? Because we have, we all have our struggles and we go through our things and it's just sometimes to be able to like, when you see that and these children, and I've done a lot of stuff with children's hospitals and it's so hard. Like I just leave there. And I'm, it's so heavy, you know, it, it's so, so heavy, but to see them so happy and excited and like, just still looking at life so full, even in these moments, I'm like, gosh, we complain about the littlest things sometimes. And it just makes, it's just a reality check, you know, of like, oh yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of brings you back to grounds you in your life. Yeah. For sure. Well, Mickey, we appreciate you coming on. Um, it was, I. Uh, I'm still sitting over here. Like that last whole moment about kids and everything, I am on the verge of tears. He's over just here fanning his face. It. Like I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying not to cry. Oh, no. um, so before we go, we would like to play a game with you, if we may. Okay. Um, me and Michael have a list of names. They're either going to be a drag queen or a female professional wrestler. <laughs> wow. Your job is to decide whether it is a drag queen Oh, or a wrestler. I am terrible at games. <laughs> we'll start off easy. Kind of a terrible loser. This is the this is the worst. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna start off nice and easy before we dive into the more difficult ones. Okay. Alyssa Edwards, drag queen or wrestler? Alyssa Edwards. Um, she's a wrestler. She's a drag queen. What? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was the that was your warm up one. That was just a test. <laughs> that was just. A- Tessa Blanchard. Oh, she's definitely a wrestler. I knew you would get that one. That's, that's the nice, easy wrestler one. Brandy Alexander. She's a wrestler. She's a drag queen. What? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? Maybe they're okay. I, they could overlap. <laughs> hey, if they overlap, if you're listening out there and these names overlap with a drag queen and a wrestler, please let please us know. It. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't know my queens. You know, um, Val is obsessed with drag race and all of that stuff. And she always tries to get me to watch. And I've seen clips and she sends me stuff all the time. So I am not as familiar as she is. She she's the one who would destroy me in this game. We had a we had a queen on our podcast, and we did uh, we did drag queen or marijuana strain. That was a fun one. <laughs> All right, we'll try that. We'll do two more, two we more, two more. Okay, 
Okay. Jordan Grace. She's a wrestler. She is a wrestler. wrestler. Mm -hmm. This one's going to be the hardest one. Priscilla Kelly. She's a wrestler. She's both. So I'll give you the point. Oh. Yeah. She's the only one I found that overlapped in both worlds as a as a drag queen and a wrestling name. One came first. Probably the wrestler you think so yeah because this drag queen is 19 years old oh okay yeah yeah she's a little baby queen (laughs) do you have nickname for a baby queen what was that well we we call grown-ass babies gabs right yeah what do we call baby queens i mean we just call them kind of baby queens we really don't have in our world uh, a name for anybody who's just starting out i mean they drag tots drag a drag tot drag tot Mickey, where can everybody follow you, find you, um, and all that? Well, you can go to my website, mickeyjames.com. It pretty much has everything where you can find me from Instagram to Twitter, Facebook, all verified, all with a check mark. It's like at Mickey James or the Mickey James. And um, yeah. Or you can find me on Gaw on every Wednesday, the Gaw cast. Go check it out. Go check it out. If you haven't watched Gaw yet, go. Hey, it's so much fun to listen to and watch. Yeah, I'm pretty entertaining on Twitter sometimes. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, Mickey, thank you so, 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 yeah, so, you, so you, much for being our first you. guest, being an amazing guest, being an amazing person. You are a hero to many people, and I appreciate you. Thank oh, you again so much. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm honored, honestly. This is awesome. And you are so amazing. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> You're listening We're in Scene Bears, the podcast. She was so much fun to talk to. What an interesting person. Right? Like, I knew the wrestling aspect of her life, but, like, the whole idea that she volunteered for the, the kids in Virginia is just was eye-opening to me. Yeah, it was really interesting. Like, I'm, I was really nice to hear, like, hear her talk about how passionate she is about her volunteer work. Yeah. Like, that's just so inspiring. And, and you want to get out there and help. She better write a book and we better be in it. Right. There better be a little <laughs> footnote about how we'd probably we pressed her to write a book but I can't wait right. for her to come to Orlando so I can meet her right I'm excited she'll come to a bingo I'm just gonna tell her how pretty she is she'll come to a bingo and I'll make sure she loses and whatever right and then we can hang out with her sexy husband I'll, too. I'll put her bingo cards in the trash bag be um. nice to her we like her no we're gonna let her win we're gonna give her the best of the Dollar Tree the best of the Dollar Tree Michael I think we should get raw with the kids as you like to say let's get raw and real and fuck them without a condom Joe, you know, my favorite Lady Gaga quote is we're gonna fuck them bear with a condom no so back when she was being interviewed for the fame monster they were like asking her like what her creative process is and she was like I believe you need to have mind-blowing irresponsible condomless sex with whatever idea that you're exper- like exploring at the time and I was like that's when I was like oh I'm in love with this Lady Gaga girl <laughs> also use a condom <laughs> and if you don't use prep get on prep and if you can't get on prep pull out <laughs> no there's resources out there for free prep anyways bear with me if your friend is an artist whether it be a painter a photographer a digital artist or anything like that pay them pay your fucking artists it's that simple they do not go out there and ask for free food when you are working at a restaurant they do not go to your job and ask for free tickets they do not go to your job and ask you for free things so if you have the audacity and the nerve to ask your friends who are taking the time out of their day to draw you a fucking photo or take your photos or i don't know create something for you pay them don't get bitchy when they say they don't do it for free don't get bitchy when they give you their rate because guess what they are trying to make a living just like you they do not pay their bills on exposure frankly that is the most insulting thing you can ever tell somebody who is an artist so don't ever and i'm gonna put it out there come to me and ask me to film your stuff for free edit your stuff for free because i'm gonna laugh in your fucking face don't ask me to come and do your events for free don't ask me to record something for you for free that's not how it works if somebody does something for you that is an artist and is a master of their craft fucking pay them boom 
So bear with me, CJ. I have a kind of similar bear with me. I haven't even told what? you this yet. I haven't even told you about this yet. Oh, we'll fuck talk me. I'm air. excited. Y'all know I'm friends with some people that are maybe famous or kind of. Maybe. That are famous. <laughs> I don't like to brag about people that are friends with that kind of thing. Right? I'm famous. You could just say my right. name. Just at me next time, sis. You know who I know, and you know what kind of work I do, and you know that I have access to things. If you're going to come up to me and say, hey, I'm going to be at this gig that you're at in a couple weeks. I would love a VIP meet and greet with blah, 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 blah. Enter drag queen name here. It's not going to happen. That's rude. You're not entitled. You don't deserve it. And D, X, Y, and Z, it is in a COVID situation, Mary. We are not doing a meet and greet. And frankly, if we were going to give out meet and greets, I'm not giving it to you stranger at the bar damn but that's like annoying like you know like i'm kind and i'm nice and i'm friendly and i love to talk to people and i love to to interact with people but don't be shady and just be like oh you're gonna give me free vip if i go right no bitch bitch yeah no you need to tell me all about this when we're done with this that's just so rude it is oh you know i'm a big fan of ginger i would love to go backstage and meet her guess you should have bought a meet and greet boop trust me i deal with it all the time i get it oh you want you want you want to talk to ginger good 75 dollars for a cameo (laughs) like no i'm not gonna that's so annoying that's right you can find ginger on cameo go ahead and request we need to pay the rent right that pays the bill just like keeps the lights on in this house we're recording this podcast (laughs) um that's some shady bullshit michael well you know how it is people will come come through you for shit like that like that was the first time it's ever happened to me so it was like it kind of pissed me off i was like that's so rude when i started dating ginger all of a sudden people hadn't talked to and fucking god knows how long decided to come out of the woodwork but you know Welcome, welcome to the family. Water off a duck's back. Water off a duck's back. I know. It's like the first time it ever happened to me, so I guess I'm part of the family now. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Queer and Steam Bears of the course. podcast. We appreciate it. If you would like to catch up on past episodes, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on SoundCloud. You can even go to our website, queerandsteambearsthepodcast.com. Click that episodes button and you can listen to all of our past episodes. What do they say in those infomercials? Wherever fine products are sold, <laughs> wherever fine <laughs> podcasts are played. If if you would like to support the podcast, you can also click on the donations button on our website. That'll bring you right to our Indiegogo page, where we have a few tiers of donations that you can choose from. We do appreciate anything that you do send it to us. That money will go to building a bigger and better podcast on Tuesdays for you, as well as a bigger and better live stream on Friday evenings. Perfect. And I also, again, want to thank from the bottom of my heart, Mickey James, for coming on and being our first ever inaugural guest. It was such a pleasure talking to uh, CJ's other best friend over here. <laughs> She was so, so, so great. I'm so happy we got a chance to talk to her. Thank you again, dear, from the bottom of our heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me on social media at uh, the C-E-E underscore J-A-Y on Instagram and on Twitter. Don't find me on Facebook because I'm already maxed out, so unfortunately I will not add you. And you can find me, the incredible, magnificent Michael, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mike Burlow. And if you add me on Facebook, I'm only going to accept you if you're cute. Oh, you can also follow the podcast if you would like across all socials at the Queer and Steam Bears podcast. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Oh, don't forget Twitch. And Twitch. We are on Twitch. Eventually, we'll do something on Twitch. Last but not least, if you live in the Orlando area or any other surrounding areas, on May 11th, Michael and myself will be the VIP hosts at Room 22 for the uh, inclusive night with MC Tora Hyman and DJ Scott Robert. Come party with us. Come party Drink with some booze. It's free champagne till midnight. You can't go wrong. You'll see me and Michael if you want to text us, hang out with us. Maybe we'll invite you into the vip section with us and, and feed you some booze maybe if we like you but more than likely we'll be sitting alone in, in the, the VIP, vip drinking our own booze with that being said thanks for joining us bye michael michael what you have to sing your song i have to again sing it now it's time to say goodbye to all our company
Michael's here. CJ's here. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Here's a song we're going to play us out. <laughs> I like the dance to our theme song as it plays us out. We're in Team Bears, the podcast. <laughs>